What they are is essentially pockets uh, in space and time where our understanding kind of breaks down. Where our understanding breaks down? Whoa, that sounds really, really mysterious and really, really interesting. Black holes, they're some of the most mysterious things in the universe. And there are a lot of questions about them. Hi, I'm your host, Akshay, and in this episode, I want to take you on a deep dive into the science of black holes and answer some mind-blowing questions with the help of Dr. Christopher Carroll. Dr. Carroll studies black holes at Washington State University and knows a lot about black holes, how they're formed, and so many other mind-blowing questions. Make sure to stick around until the end because we have some really mind-blowing questions that are going to be answered. Alright, let's go on with this interview. Hello, Dr. Carroll. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. All right. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you here. So can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, uh, my name is Christopher Carroll, and I'm a, an astronomer uh, studying supermassive black holes at Washington State University out here in the Pacific Northwest. Awesome. So how did you get interested in science? This is a... I love this story, actually. Um, there's a, there is my favorite author, Terry Pratchett. He had a quote that was something like, I got interested in science fiction because I was first interested in science. And I am the exact opposite of that, actually. <laughs> I uh, became interested in science, and in particular, astronomy, thanks to science fiction. So back when I was a kid, I used to come home from school and I would watch Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, the show was really new at the time, and it was nothing like I'd ever seen. And every week, Sir Patrick Stewart, the actor, who you might know better as Professor X from the X-Men movies, uh, he would captain the Starship Enterprise as Jean-Luc Picard, and him and his crew would fly around the Milky Way, and they would observe all kinds of astronomical objects and events, like solar flares, neutron stars, supernovas, nebulas, wormholes, and things. And it was a way that, that they visualized these things on the show that really grasped me and made me think, like, how amazing it is, you know, up there in the sky, like, past what we know. And it didn't help that they also got, you know, to meet alien species mm -hmm. and things and like just be good human beings. <laughs> but that's really how it, it all got started. And ever since that, when I was like very young, you know, I, I would watch this show and I was just amazed. And I grew up, you know, wanting to know more about planets and stars and things like that. That's awesome. Star Trek started your entire career. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You guys think Star Trek for all that. <laughs> So now let's get into the cool black hole science. So Absolutely. what are black holes and how are they formed? Black holes, oh, this is a big one. So um, they're really like, in my opinion, the most interesting and exotic objects that exist in the universe. <laughs> so what they are is essentially pockets uh, in space and time where our understanding kind of breaks down meaning where our physical real life understanding of how the universe would work that's intuitive to us it breaks from the mathematics that we use to understand the world and the universe around us so 
when Einstein published his theory of general relativity, um, which says that very massive objects, you know, bend space and time around them. Um, not just very massive objects. You and I also attribute to this. Just in, it's too small for us to, you know, to to really to make a much of a difference. But when you get big, like a planet or or a star or something. Uh, but after we people started reviewing, you know, the theory, it became apparent that if you have enough mass in in a certain volume of space then things can break down and basically the math goes crazy. So it says like that the center of the black hole gets smaller and smaller forever. And it goes until it becomes infinitely small. Uh, the area past the surface of the black hole, which we call the event horizon, time and space seem to trade places. And this all makes sense if you follow the math. But this doesn't really make sense, like in an intuitive sense, you know, it's very alien compared to how we usually think things should work, you know, like conceptualizing something becoming infinitely small, you know, that that's not how we usually think. Yeah. But so that's essentially what they are and how they're formed. Um, so black holes are formed when stars run out of fuel. Stars are huge. And since they're so massive, they have their own gravitational pull that's trying to pull the surface of the star in to collapse in on itself because they're so massive. But inside the core of a star, it's so hot that there's constant fusion going on where hydrogen is being turned into heavier elements, right? And it continues on. And during fusion, the core of the star produces an uh, intense amounts of radiation that actually push back on the surface of the star as it's collapsing. And so this keeps the star's surface relatively stable. But when the star runs out of fuel, gravity wins, as is often the case, <laughs> and the star collapses in on itself. And if the star is massive enough, if it has enough mass contained inside of it, it can turn into a black hole. Whoa, that's so cool. So these stars, they just collapse in on themselves and they just make a hole in space. Basically, yeah. There's Whoa. there's different ways that it can happen. And if it's massive enough, it can turn into a black hole, yeah. So why can't light escape black holes? There's actually a question that some of my listeners sent in. And it's it's something that we've all heard at one point, but we don't know exactly why. Absolutely. That's, that's, I love this question because like you said, this, this, uh, this statement is everywhere. Not even light can escape, right? Mm -hmm. So it comes back to gravity again. So picture yourself, you know, on earth and what happens when you jump up, right? You, you go up and then you come back down, right? Because gravity is pulling you back to the earth. Yeah. And so when you want to get off earth and into space, you know, we use like huge rockets that get us moving really fast, right? And we need to reach a certain speed that we call the escape velocity. For Earth, it's uh, about 11 kilometers a second or 25,000 miles per hour. Yeah. So not we're not doing this in our cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 
Jupiter is much more massive than Earth, right? So the escape velocity is higher. The sun is even more massive. And so the escape velocity is higher. At some point, if you can cram enough mass into a small enough volume, the density is extremely high, then that escape velocity actually becomes the speed of light, right? Which is uh, 300 million meters per second or 671 million miles per hour, right? These are speeds that we don't really comprehend intuitively, right? Yeah, we definitely can't do those with our cars. Right. <laughs> so that's the fastest thing that we know of is light. And so if the escape velocity is the speed of light, then light cannot actually escape. And that's where that sentence comes from. And it's the whole idea that that the object itself has so much mass in such a small enough volume that the density is so high that the escape velocity, in order to overcome its gravity to, to escape, not even light has enough speed. So is that why black holes are called black holes? Because light can escape? Absolutely. Everything in the universe that we study, we, you know, we point telescopes and we receive photons, light, from these objects and we piece together what's happening so far out there. But light cannot get out of a black hole. So we cannot actually see the black hole because it is the absence of light. And we need to infer what happens at black holes from what's surrounding them and how such a massive object with such high gravity affects the things that we can see that are around them. So do scientists use the stars around them to discover black holes? Yes, particularly in our own Milky Way's black hole, Sagittarius A star, that's the name of our black hole. Uh, they noticed that towards the center of our galaxy, the stars were acting very strange and they seemed to be circling around something that wasn't there. And as they got closer, they would speed up and whip around this invisible spot. And that's when they, you know, again, you use math, you do some calculations and you find out, well, there must be something this massive at exactly this spot. And it's just big enough to be a supermassive black hole, which is like the ones I study. So we have black holes that, you know, are the size of uh, very, very large stars, but then also the ones that have grown throughout the history of the universe that sit in the centers of galaxies like the Milky Way. Well, that is amazing. So here's a really, really burning question that I have and a lot of other people have. What if black holes didn't exist? How would that affect the universe? This is a really great question uh, because I don't think it's something that we often think about because we're so intent on studying what's happening and, and you know what the black holes are doing. We don't think necessarily about what happens if they weren't here? Mm -hmm. And the evolution of the universe itself is actually dependent on black holes at very different points in the universe. Wow. So uh, the one of the most important things, one of the most interesting things I, I thought about is if black holes didn't exist, there would be a lot more matter in the universe. So, right, if light can't escape, then anything else that falls into a black hole essentially is removed from space and time, from our universe as we understand it. 
So black holes are very hungry. And if you get close enough, it will eat all the matter, the gas, the dust. It can rip stars apart. And when that eventually touches the event, the event horizon, it's basically gone from our universe forever. So in the history of the universe, the almost 14 billion years that it's existed, right? Mm -hmm. Black holes have been eating and that matter is contained in the black hole for all that time. And so without black holes, there would be a lot more matter, a lot more gas, a lot more dust, a lot more things that eventually could turn into new stars that could, you know, uh, coalesce into to different uh, astrophysical objects. The history of the universe is also um, broken up by us astronomers into different segments that we call uh, areas that uh, times where the universe has been dominated by different forces. In the very beginning of the universe, it was dominated by radiation. So stars, supernovas, you know, things like this that are causing a lot of radiation to spill out into space and that's pushing the universe. At some point, matter became the dominant uh regime in our universe where physical matter, you know, like the stuff that makes up us and everything that we know was the most important, the most dominant. And this has an effect on how the universe also expands. We've recently, and by recent, I mean, you know, a few billion years have <laughs> changed into what we call the dark energy uh, dominated regime. But if matter hadn't been essentially taken out of the universe by these black holes, that time where that change happens could, could have moved in time. And it also could have affected things like how fast the universe expands or whether or not the universe might pull back in on itself because it had so much matter to do so. And these things are really very high level questions. Like this is the kind of research that people would still be doing so I think it's really awesome question <laughs> to come out of your, you know, your, your listener base, because there's just so many things that could really happen if black holes didn't exist. So we, re we rely on black holes that much for our own existence. In a sense, um, in a sense, very much bigger than our own existence, but, but the universe itself, you know, Whoa. like we are only in one galaxy the milky way when we look up into the sky at night usually we see stars those stars are all in our milky way mm -hmm. but there are you know millions and billions of other galaxies out there you know this is why i really like star trek stuff like yeah. that <laughs> yeah star trek's awesome especially when it comes to all these black holes and all this it's just so crazy that like all these things actually exist and who knows where black holes can lead to does it lead to another universe does it do we will we see aliens at the other side of the black hole? Who knows? Yeah, that's. I mean, there are people that study this. You know, there are scientists that actually study this. Well, that is amazing. So, what advice do you have for kids who are interested in science and specifically space science and astrophysics? Again, another really good question. <laughs> um, I think back to when I was, you know, when I was a kid. I didn't have anyone in my family that was a scientist or had gone to college. Um, so 
this is probably one of the reasons why I latched on to science fiction that, to draw me to science. I think others are, you know, in a better position where maybe they do know someone or, you know, people that, that um, follow these paths. But for anyone that's interested in science, I think, I think the, one of the most important things that I could tell you is go on the internet, find your local college or university, look up who studies this science, who studies astronomy, and email them. Their emails should be on the website, okay? Not a lot of people just reach out to us and ask us important questions. And we're all really, really interested in the science that we study and the things that we research. And we're always more than happy to tell someone who's really interested in learning about these things. And I think that's not something that many people think is okay. Like, can I just email this professor, you know, or something from this university? Absolutely, you can. And if you tell them, hey, you know, I was on the website, I was looking, you know, I'm really interested in this. Can you tell me more? And I'm sure they will respond back to you. Mm -hmm. And you can tell them I sent you to. <laughs> yeah, that's some really great advice. Kids should really like reach out to the people in their area or even people like on the other side of the state. Like I did yeah, for absolutely. you. So, like, absolutely. They see to talk to the people that they are uh, that study what they're interested in that's some amazing advice that's some out of the world advice i should say <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right thank you so so much for talking to me today i really enjoyed it and i learned so much and i'm sure my listeners learned a lot of out of this world and stellar facts oh i can't thanks stop with very the much i can't stop <laughs> with the puns <laughs> thanks very much and if you can't find someone to email you can email me definitely yep thank you so much thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Spectacular Science is produced and hosted by me, Akshay Raman. Our theme song and additional music are by Chan Ramachandra. Special thanks to Dr. Christopher Carroll. Dr. Carroll, I learned so much and I really appreciate your time for this interview. Thank you so, so much. Please visit my website, SpectacularSci.com, to find interactive activities, articles, and blog posts. That's SpectacularSci.com. Do you have a question that you want answered on a Spectacular Science episode and get a special shout out? Well, grab a parent and head over to SpectacularSci.com slash contact to submit your science questions. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to answering your amazing science questions. Don't forget to subscribe to Spectacular Science wherever you're listening right now. It really encourages me and you'll be up to date on all the new episodes. Subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science next week. Keep thinking about science! <laughs>